Welcome to From Everywhere to Everywhere by OMF New Zealand. In our lives, sometimes it can be hard to see how God is working. This is a podcast about his faithfulness, told to you through the lives of people who have been with him in the depths of the valley and on the heights of the mountaintop. Our prayer is that you will be encouraged by these stories and empowered to live lives surrendered to God, knowing that he can always be trusted. Kia ora, I'm Jessie Chang, your host for this episode. Today, we're looking at God's faithfulness when it comes to failure. As a Christian, and often even more so for someone who works in ministry, things don't pan out the way you hoped they would, leaving you disillusioned and feeling worthless. Here are some stories told by OMF workers about trusting God to turn the ashes of failure into something beautiful. My name is Elspeth Kong. I'm married to Ben. I'm a volunteer with OMF based in Christchurch. And you've also served with OMF um, overseas, right? Yes, um, a long time ago. We were in South Thailand doing working amongst Buddhists. Can you tell me about a time when you experienced God's faithfulness, um, especially in regards to failure or disappointment? There's been a few times when I have really felt very inadequate and felt that um, perhaps my lack of language, depth of language, uh, in uh, slowed me down in, in um, building relationships with people, um, misunderstandings in relationships. As a mum um, on the field, having um, adding three more children <laughs> over the years, I never really developed uh, um, the depth of language that our single workers had, and therefore I felt there was a lot of expectation on me to be at their level. I had to work very hard at that. I suppose I compared myself with some very people who were very good at language. Mm. So th- there was a bit of a underlying sense of failure or not being good enough in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But can I tell you a wee positive to that? Yeah, sure. Um, Please do. Recently, when we were back in Thailand um, uh, on another project, we had a visit from a young woman, I can name her, Nawarat. She and her husband travelled up from South Thailand to come and visit with us. And uh, keep in mind that we'd been back in New Zealand nearly 30 years, and I was meeting up again with Nawarat, who was a high schooler when I, uh, about the time that we left Thailand. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came to stay, and she told me she just started talking about how she's never, even though she's had missionary friends all her life, she's never, she's never learnt English. She's always uh, um, just a few words she'll understand. But anyway, I was amazed really that how God helped bring back my tie at that time. And she laughed. She, I just want to tell you that I want to thank you that um, when I was in the equivalent of year 10, at the high school in Kokpo where we lived. I used to walk across the road from our house and do little Bible studies with her. 
and it was very it was very basic stuff. Her parents had become believers, and they wanted me to to help help her. She knew she she used the word green jai, she which is a word we don't have in English, but she said. I was so conscious of the fact that you were trying so hard to tell me about God's love. Yeah. And I was so impressed that you I couldn't always understand what you were saying, mm. but I was so impressed that you came once a week for months and you sat with me at school and taught me. I could read mm. and you could read, but you didn't. She said, I couldn't always understand what I was reading. But she said, you exposed me to God's word. And gave me a hunger for the word. She said, I used to think that if this foreign lady is coming here in the heat of the day, trying to explain something that's very, very important to her, it must be very important. Mm. And she sent her children away to school. She picked up on all those things. And here she is now. She's married to a young, well, he was young then, but they're in their middle age now, their grandparents. Uh, working in a very tough part of Thailand, doing their uh, planting a church, mm. and she said, "I never would have started on this road with Jesus if you hadn't come to tell me." And I thought, "I just, I did. I had a wee tear, and I mm. thought, thank you, Lord, that you, you've let me. She's always thought like this. I've never known that. I've never known that my role was so important to her. Mm. And I'm um, just thanking God for that. That." Now, in my older age, I've this I could, this wee bit of light that those years were not wasted. That effort, you know, my language is terrible, but I couldn't. You, God used it. Mm. God used it. Yeah, and it was it was just you showing up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'd have little, I had my prayers written out on a little bit of paper. <laughs> I never. Um, I can pray in Thai, but not very fluently. Mm. But God used it. God used it. We just need to be faithful. That's what keeps coming back to me. We don't have to be brilliant linguists. We don't have to be great preachers. It's it's what I say to some of the young people on the journey now. You know, God will use you mm-hmm. if your heart is sincere. He will use you, and it's that's His work through His Holy Spirit. And w- were there any other times in in terms of other relationships and stuff where? You, you also experience God's faithfulness after a time and, you know, with, with that particular one, you only realised how much of an impact it had made many years later. Was there another experience that was kind of the same, similar vein? Yes, this one, uh, which also happened fairly late in our time in Thailand, um, was with a young woman, a young mum, who we had met through our door-to-door visiting and um, she'd come from a Christian family in another province, but had gone away from the Lord and her marriage had broken up. And she came back to church in Patani, and over the years, eventually her husband came back to her, and they had a lovely family. They were growing a lovely family, and had another little boy, four little boys they had. And um, soon after we were moved up the coast, to do the building project, which was our last year in Thailand in 1990. Uh, we'd been friends with them 12 or 15 years by this time. Well, and that's quite a while. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. And they did heaps of stuff. We used to go picnics together with our children when they came home. We did a lot of stuff with them. And then soon after we moved up to Bridgewood, we 
we got news that Nidia had um, disappeared. She left uh, her fa her husband and children, and she'd gone off with an Indonesian fisherman somewhere, and she was hiding somewhere, and they needed Ben to go down and help to look for her. They kind of knew where she was in another city. I remember when uh, oh, they found her, we went... I went down and we had a chance to meet up with her and she was very angry that we were trying to persuade her to come back to her husband and children. Her two older boys would have been young teenagers by then, mm. um, or maybe a bit older. And I can remember her looking me in the eye and saying, you know, you, you Farang, you foreigners, think you know us, but you don't know us. You'll never know us. You're not one of us and you don't understand how how we think and mm. don't you dare try and advise me on what to do I'm not going back to my husband and children mm. um, this is where I'm supposed to be and uh, I, I was devastated partly because I thought um, she would listen to me after all these years we had been relatively well very I would have considered quite a close friendship mm. and so we went back off up to Pajua really quite um Deeply concerned for her and for part and the children, and really wondering this girl has gone so far from the Lord. Um, only God can do as we can hear. And for a long time, we came back to New Zealand. We went on with our lives, and every now and again, this um, when I when we would pray for Thailand, this couple would come to our minds again. And I think God did this. He kept us. Maybe the the sense of failure in that friendship or the sense of loss in that mm. friendship um, urged us to keep praying for her. And um, beginning of 2020, we went back to Thailand, to South Thailand, to the uh, opening of the big, the new church building and the pastor's wing. And uh, we met lots of people from up and down the provinces. And during that time, uh, we met people who were had reconnected with Nidia. Yeah. We got a phone call from her and she came to visit us one day and she travelled right across Bangkok to see us mm. and we had a, a lovely two hours of reminiscing and talking, telling us now she's a grandmother and telling us how the boys had um, grown and how their families had developed and part had remarried, she didn't, um, didn't go back into that marriage and things hadn't worked out with the Indonesian guy. Um, if it, um, I'm not sure that lasted very long at all but it, she had been sort of bearing she'd come back to the Lord and through her good friends who just kept journeying with her mm. over the years we were really happy for her and then it was getting quite late in the afternoon and she, we knew she had several trains to catch to get back home to she, where she was staying on the other side of Bangkok and we stood up to um, say goodbye to her. We were in the foyer of a Christian guest house and it was quite a public place. And then suddenly she just fell down on her knees at our feet and just took hold of our, our feet, mm. and which is significant in Thai too, and, and just begged, sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and begged our forgiveness for the way she had treated us or, or how, the, how we disappointed, she had disappointed us. Mm. and um, she was heartbroken and uh, you know we stood her up and we hugged her and said of course she's been forgiven and we're just so happy that she's back following the Lord and I think 
the thing that overwhelmed me in that was God's, he'd not let her go. You know, he kept hold of her. It was his work, His she was the apple of his eye. We always believed that. And he just hovered over her life until he restored her. And for her and for us, this reunion, mm. nearly 30 years later, was such, was hugely significant. And I don't know how to describe it, but it was something, it was a gift back from the Lord to let us know what had happened to her after all those years. Mm. And for her, um, she felt released from that guilt. She had knew she had God's forgiveness, but she wanted ours, you know, mm. for, for she knew that she'd disappointed us and said stuff that had hurt us. And, and the fact that she even thought about that um, and what all the stuff that was happening in her life but there was a precious moment that she was that God gave both of us that we could meet again, face to face. So we loved each other, and just in love and God's faithfulness, He kept her and kept brought her back. It was just it was great. That was the highlight of our trip back to Tauranga. <laughs> it was wonderful. And not, when I think of so many workers who've worked for many many years in places, they don't see much fruit for mm. what they are doing, and and yet. In our latter year, in our later years, now we are seeing and hearing via Facebook and all sorts of other means wonderful stories of people whose lives we've had the privilege of t- touching just a little bit mm-hmm. over the years, and it makes me realise that more and more that we're doing His work. It's His work, not our work. Mm-hmm. We can't hold it tightly. We just have to be faithful in those little things, and He brings the fruit. Mm. And sometimes it takes years, and we're not always given that little keyhole of of blessing that we've been given. Mm. Um, just just through meeting up with this lovely lady again and seeing her at peace with God, yeah, mm. very special. Kiora. I'm Betty, and I've been involved with OEMF as um, a member of a prayer group for, um, oh my goodness, 40 plus years, and uh, here in Dunedin. And uh, so in that time, I've been a member, and now I lead the group. And um, I mean, that's a very long time. (laughs) Thank you (laughs) for all those years of prayer. (laughs) I just wanted to you know, ask, we're talking about God's faithfulness, right? So I was wondering if if you could share a time in in your life where um, God was really faithful towards you in in a period of of failure. Yep. This this one is a long time ago, but it was, um, when I look back on it, it's um, it's amazing, really, God's faithfulness. It was when I was um, in full-time office work and the job I'd been in uh, was in accounts payable and I'd been in it for five years. And in that time, my father had lived with me. Um, he had dementia and it took quite a toll on me. Um, he was only living with me for two years before he went into care. After he died in 1983, this would be 1984. And in this time, 
my work got behind. Now, it wasn't because I, it was just the sheer volume of it. And I think, too, on reflection, a, um, although I worked steadily and I was used to working extra hours and things like that because I was it as far as accounts payable was concerned, I got behind and uh, my boss said to me, unless you can work harder, um, you will have to leave. And um, I'll never forget that night. I was absolutely shattered. And uh, mm. I, I had a meeting to attend, and I was a very quiet member of what was a very large meeting, which was a good thing because nobody noticed how quiet I was. Of course, I prayed about it and went to work the next day. And um, I said to my boss, I'm sorry, but I cannot work any harder. And he was rather taken aback by that, but it was a truthful statement. And so I worked really extra hard um, to do my best to finish up well. And one of the, really what sustained me in this was um, some verses. One of them was Isaiah 32, 17. And to be honest, I don't think I really knew what it meant, but it says, the effect of righteousness shall be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. Somehow that got to me that the Lord was at work, and all I needed to do was to leave well, which I did. And uh, so I left there, not quite knowing where to go from there. Uh, but I was out of work for only three weeks because I don't even remember applying for other jobs. I think I just felt sort of so um, shattered and so on to a degree that um, I just waited. And uh, then I got invited to work for another branch of the same firm. And I did that for um, a few weeks, which was by arrangement because it was a fill-in. Uh, for somebody who was on leave and from that I went to the area office and worked there for about two years and the interesting thing about that was that in that time my original boss came along one day and said in front of my new boss would you consider coming back to to the branch and uh, I remember my new boss sitting back in his chair and grinning and uh, because I felt sort of sorry for my old boss. I mean, I, I respected him in many ways, but he wasn't a, a people person, shall we say. Mm. But I had to say to him, no, I said, the work is easier here and the pay is better, and which was perfectly true. So that was where things um, went there. I can't believe how kind God was to me in those years. Well, he always is, isn't he? But mm. it really was true. Um, the job was easier and the pay was better. I think the proof of God's goodness is that I've never felt scarred from that experience. And the upshot was that eventually I did go back to that original branch. There was a lot of reshuffling. Our company went through a whole lot of changes of ownership. It still exists today. Um, but it, um, 
uh, it, I can't really remember how it came about, but by the time I went back, my old boss had actually gone to head office and there was a new boss. And although it wasn't um, easy, <laughs> and it was another set of issues, there always are, um, again, uh, God was in the mix. And, um, you know, I just, it was interesting at that time, there was a verse, a couple of verses in, in uh, Luke 17, and it's actually Jesus saying about the servant, when he's done his job, you know, the master doesn't tell him to sit down and have a meal until he's served the master. And um, the, I, I never really thought this through, and I've just been thinking about it. So it says at the end, um, uh, so you also, having done all that is commanded you, oh my goodness, I've gone blank on the rest of that, say we are unworthy servants. <laughs> yes, so, you know, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was commanded. Mm. And I think the reason that the Lord impressed that on my mind at the time was that I might always be careful to remember that or any glory and all glory goes back to him. Because, yes. I mean, it really was um, a, a, an excellent time that could have been, you know, a time of hardship and struggle, and it wasn't. So how did you deal with that initial disappointment of, you know, you got the news and, you know, it's basically saying you're not good enough? Right. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. How did you deal with that? I had one, a very close friend who, with whom I could have shared it. But the funny thing is, I don't, I must have said something to her. She has since died. Um, and I, at, there isn't anybody else that I can think that I really shared it with. I think, and, and that is actually one of my weak spots. Um, my job reinforced this independent spirit of going it alone. And so really, um, my memory is just being just, I probably cried a lot. That's my usual reaction. <laughs> and then I probably went through um, an anger sort of thing um, because that also is something that I do. Mm -hmm. But also, too, I knew my boss very well. Um, and so the, the, the business, I mean, he was just a manager of part of a, a cog and a big wheel, put it that way. But um, I also knew that he didn't mean to be unkind uh, but he was he did not consider people so that in a way I felt sorry for him um, which actually made it easier I think to me it would be a shameful thing to be dismissed from your job mm. you know really it was just the Lord held me in those times so how did you deal with that initial um so you said that you went through a period of crying about it which I'm sure many of us would go through I know personally I would have you know gone through that crying phase um feeling that anger how did you come to a place of no God actually you've been faithful I think the thing is, because I was used to always having a quiet time, 
you know, routine can be boring, but also to routine provides structure, doesn't it? As far as people are concerned, I don't, there's nobody, you know, I can think of other situations later on um, where others were a real help. But at that time, I can't think of um, somebody coming alongside me. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I think sometimes sometimes we just have to face up to things. I Actually, this has been a very useful exercise because um, years and years later, there was a set of us made redundant because a lot of our jobs were centralised in Auckland. So the, the succeeding work that I had, do you know, it struck me that there was there was some bitterness and things. And even this morning, I went back over those. So thank you for, you know, this opportunity. And I thought, why, what's the story there? And I really hadn't, I'd, I'd lost sight of God's goodness in those things and also lost sight of what I considered simple work, but actually had its challenges, you know, and I hadn't realized um, that yeah, there were difficulties. One of my bad, very huge weaknesses is procrastination when things are difficult. And if I'm being really honest, some of that, it, actually, it's interesting because <laughs> I've heard family um, talks, of, you know, about bringing up children and so on. And the funny thing is I've heard it stated quite categorically by um, somebody I love hearing, um, a guy called Kevin Lehman, <clears throat> but he always says the eldest child can end up a procrastinator because they're They've been brought up with high expectations. Mm. And it's really funny. I'm the elder of two. So anyway, how's that for a good excuse? <laughs> and so you see the volume that I had to contend with could excuse me getting behind with some stuff, you know, if I look at it that way. The ugly side of my weakness is that pride gets in the way and therefore doesn't go to the one person who could help me. I mean, you know, literally. Now, the one person who could have helped me uh, was the only was was the boss. Nobody else knew what to do, or would have a you know a good suggestion. And so he wasn't very approachable. But on the other hand, we didn't have a bad relationship because I, to be honest, I would stand up to him. He actually was better if you stood up to him rather than you know, because he could sort of bully you a bit. But that was just his way. And, um, you know, <laughs> when you see other people's weak spots, you remember your own as well, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a not a nice admission. And it was something that I didn't overcome. Um, really, you know, I can see repeats of that. It's, I don't like saying that, but it is true. So you're saying you could have gone to him and asked for more help. Well, he wouldn't have given me more, um, more physical help. The sort of help I meant was advice about what to do in this situation. And I think I probably 99% of the time, in all honesty, I probably knew what to do, but I didn't like doing it, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. Um, yes, because the job certainly wasn't beyond me, but the difficult stuff, yeah, I wasn't good at facing up to always. Some of it I was, some of it I wasn't. 
So what is would be your biggest lesson from this experience? I think when I started to think about this originally, I and I mean I still come back to this, I just was overwhelmed with God's goodness. You know, there's an old hymn that talks about all the way my Saviour leads me and what have I to ask beside. And um, I haven't mentioned an amazing bonus from my boss um, uh, in the area office. He was an accountant. Um, but he was one of these people, you, unless you knew about him, he gave the impression of being quite tough, but he actually wasn't. Anyway, I have no idea how I ever got up the nerve to ask him for an extra half hour for lunch once a week so I could do a Bible study group at my own church, which was only well, about five-minute walk from the factory where the area office was. And so I was able to do that because he, he knew he could trust me um, mm. to do my job well. And um, if I took extra time, then I would make it up. Um, you know, that seems a pretty obvious thing for a Christian, but I think I feel very strongly um, that as Christians, we have to be second mile people. Yeah. But uh, no, it's the overwhelm. And I mean, um, from that Bible study group, I got to know somebody who's a lot younger than me, but has become a very close friend. And um, that's been a precious friendship. Um but, you know, so that's part of that mix of the goodness of God. This episode of From Everywhere to Everywhere was brought to you by OMF New Zealand. Our vision is to see God's people from Aotearoa engaged in mission among East Asia's billions. If any of the stories today resonated with you or you'd like to find out more about OMF New Zealand, please visit our website omf.org forward slash nz we're also on instagram and facebook and we'd love to hear from you